0: So last week, we asked some difficult questions. There's a few people that were here last week. Anybody remember them? Turn to Luke. So I was at the end of chapter 15 last week. We talked about the heart for the lost, the lost soul. So last week, I want to know how your week went. Did you have the same heart for the lost that Christ had for you this week? Did you value the lost the same as Jesus does? Did you seek out the lost with the same heart as the shepherd, the woman, and the father did in the passages that we studied last week? Did you rejoice the same as Jesus does for the lost? These are all questions from last week's message. Or... Maybe, unfortunately, you're like that older brother that we talked about in that story. The one who is not exercising the same mercy and grace that Jesus has bestowed on all of us. Now, I want to share a story that I heard after last week's message. Some of you guys weren't here, but it was the, you know, the, the prodigal son, the two brothers. Maybe you're familiar with the i sure. And talking about going out and searching for the one lost Sheep, the one lost coin, and then about the prodigal son returning. So after I had shared that message, someone had come up to me and shared a story about the lost shoe, I called it. And I've asked permission to share this. It was someone after I had preached. And she had shared that she had went home and she has four younger children, all under about seven or eight years old. And she got home and she came by herself to a fellowship. And after she got home, she looked at her son's shoes to take her son's shoes off to lay him down because he was sleeping. She noticed one of his shoes were gone. And she thought she had that shoe on when they were still in the taxi, but she wasn't sure. So she didn't know what to do because all of her children are like seven and eight and under, four of them. And so she's like, I want that shoe. I don't want to lose that shoe, that $2 shoe. That's all that shoe was probably worth. And so she took all of her kids and left them in the apartment. She went down the seven floors. And went out in the street and retraced her steps Trying to find that shoe that had fallen off her son's foot Her son's like one years old, two years old One, one So she, she searched all over for that $2 shoe And she found it in the middle of the road It had fallen off when she was walking from the taxi to her apartment complex And she was so happy that she found that one $2 shoe And she said she stood there and realized what she had just done She had left her four children alone the when and searched for that one $2 shoe. And so she shared that message with me after uh, we had talked about that uh, sermon last week. And I just found it amazing that you had put that much effort over a shoe. And left her children alone in the apartment. I'm not suggesting you do that. But it's just amazing what we will do. And the heart, the message in that is what would you do for the lost? What efforts will you take so it was amazing that she shared that with me and I just, what is the value of one lost soul to you? Is it as valuable as that two dollar shoe? That's a question she asked herself. One lost soul. What value did God put on your lost soul? Search yourself. Ask that. What cost are you willing to pay for a lost soul? What will you do for that person? How far will you go? Now, that was last week's message, but I just thought that was kind of neat how she shared that afterwards. Now, this week, I want to talk about retirement planning. There you go. Retirement planning. So, we're going to be in Luke chapter 16. Now, how many of you have thought about your retirement? Maybe some of you have taken some steps to plan for your retirement. I know in the States, it's a big thing. Everyone's got a plan for their retirement. A lot of people put a lot of effort into planning. For their retirement. In fact, in the states, it's really considered irresponsible if you do not plan for your future. So you usually you would save money and put it away, or you would have a uh, you know a person that you would go talk to a financial planner even, and you would meet with them once a year, once every six months, to talk about your future. What are you going to do when you retire? How are you going to provide for yourself and your family when you're unable to work? It's a lot of effort. I mean, people work forty years to get to this point. To live, to provide for themselves, to think about their future. I mean, a lot of time and a lot of resources go into planning for your later years in life and how you're going to take care of yourself. Now, the real question, of course, I'm after today, isn't about your financial planning for the future, is it? It truly really is your eternal retirement plan that we're going to talk about. A little different. How much have you invested into that account, your spiritual Retirement. That's an account too, you know. Let's look at this parable in Luke chapter 16, 1 through 18, and we're going to address this question and look at that. So, everybody, Luke chapter 16. We're going to start with the first two verses. Jesus told this story to his disciples. There was a certain rich man who had a manager handling his affairs. One day a report came in. The manager was wasting his employer's money. So the employer called to him and said, "What? What's this idea about you? Get your report in order. Because you are going to be fired. I was going to put up your fire on there, but I forgot. Anyways, you can see in this teaching, look at the first part of it. It's obviously, it says he's told this story to his disciples. You see that? The first verse But as you will see in verse 14, if you look there real quick, there's some other people, the Pharisees, that are listening in. So as we get into this parable, remember, this teaching He's talking to the disciples, but there's other people listening in. So this head employee or this boss that's being talked about here, this this manager is being accused by the owner or the rich man of wasting his money or wasting his resources that he was in charge of Today's time you can say he was embezzling funds, I'm sure is what he was doing. Now this, you can see this story, this owner, I'm not sure if he was just getting his books in order, or maybe he's giving them a chance to explain, but he says, get your report in order. So I believe possibly he was maybe giving them an opportunity, not really sure, but you can see that. By the books, the, the scriptures here, the man didn't take that opportunity to try to prove himself innocent. Or to maybe explain his actions. In fact, he's told to prepare that report just so he can see, you know, the owner can see what's missing or what had happened to the funds. But we don't really see that report, do we? Now remember, as we look at this, this is a parable. So there's a worldly lesson here, but there's also a spiritual lesson. So you have to look at both aspects. Now in this story, if you look in it, just to start clarifying mm-hmm. it, we can see that God is part of this story. Now, you can also see that we are in this story. Look back at the passage. Who is God in this parable? He'd be as a rich man in this case, or the owner. Now, he's entrusted us, the managers many different resources. Each one of us. Each one of us has different things that God has bestowed on us and give us responsibilities for, just as this manager here has. I want to take a quick turn to Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 4. 4:4-4. So look at Apollos and me as mere servants of Christ, who have been put in charge of explaining God's mysteries. Now a person who is put in charge as a manager must be faithful. And for me, it matters very little how I might be evaluated by you or by any human authority. I don't even trust my own judgment on this point. My conscience is clear. But that doesn't prove that I'm right. It is the Lord himself who examined me. And decide. So you can see through this passage that all of us one day will have to get our own report in order. All of us one day will have to give an account for the resources that God has given to us and say, How you know what did you use them for? What did you do with these things that I've blessed you with? How did you use them? We will give an account, just like in this story. We'll have to show God how we use this. Well what would happen if this was today? If he said, give an account with all the things I've blessed you with, what would your report look like? How would it read? Let's turn back to Luke. Look at verses 3 and 4. Luke chapter 16, verses 3 and 4. Let's see what happens. Let's see what this guy is going to say, what his report will look like. To himself, Now what? My boss has fired me. I don't have the strength to dig ditches. And I'm too proud to beg. Ah! I know how to ensure that I have plenty of friends who will give me a home when I'm fired. It's apparent this manager had no real defense for what he had done. He doesn't even really—he tr- doesn't try to even defend himself. He just goes, "I'm fired." He's obviously guilty. ...of whatever he's been accused of. He just goes, I'm fired. So now what? He's sitting there thinking. Now what? What am I going to do? He didn't think like, oh, how am I going to do this report? How can I fake this report? No. He knows he's going to get fired. This guy is guilty of embezzlement. This is a bad place to be. Imagine being that guy. It'd be a tough spot, right? All you can do is just sit there. Now what am I going to do? Trying to come up with a plan, a way to fix your situation... Looking at your different options that you may have You can see here He knew he was too old To do manual labor He knew he couldn't go out and do that to support himself I can relate I've tried I've been working on this building I've been doing other things uh, With these pallets here Youngton, Try to pick a few of these up And throw them up them stairs I'm getting old My 20s and 30s I would have picked every one of them up Now I can still do it Actually But the problem is About an hour later I can't walk But I'm sure this man was probably maybe a little bit older. He realized that he was not able to support himself with doing manual labor. So he's got a problem. He also admits that he's too prideful to beg. I don't know about, you know, maybe some of us are the same. But this guy has a real problem, right? A real problem that must be solved. He was obviously a crook. We know that. Because he's getting fired. But now he has no way to provide for himself. Many of us have faced that ourselves, I think. But then look, he says, he has an aha moment. Anybody know what an aha moment is? It's like you're thinking, you're pondering, and all of a sudden it comes to you. The lights turn on, you have a solution. There it is. (laughs) Aha. He's thinking, aha. The light turned on, he's come up with an idea. I didn't say the idea was a good idea. But he did come up with a solution for the problem he was facing that he could no longer provide for himself, because he was going to be fired from his job Now the point is We I know, I'll just back it You know, many of us have been in some tough spots, right? Everyone here, I'm sure And I'm sure that as time goes on Many of us, including myself Will find myself in many more tough spots It happens to me The point is You don't want to be before God In this story, this a parable Going now what? You imagine that? Imagine say for God, give an account, given a report of your actions. You don't want to be this man going, now what? As God asked for that account, saying, What have you done with the time that you've had here? What have you done with your talents I've given you? What have you done with your money I've given you? What have you done with your influence that I've given you? And you have to give account for that. You don't want to be like this guy going, now what? What am I going to say? We don't ever want to be in that position. We want to be good stewards of all the different resources and blessings that God has given us. And to use Him the way, use these things that He's blessed us with for His glory. To further His kingdom. So maybe some of us have been blessed with musical talents. We've seen that today. They use that for His glory. To help us worship. Maybe some are gifted with speaking and teaching. Maybe some are blessed financially. I know you know I'm standing here today because many people work less financially and they come together and they want to bless you guys here with this fellowship. They use that to further the kingdom. So there's so many things. Let's continue. Let's turn back back to Luke chapter 16. Let's look at verses 5 and 7. So, here's his plan. You ready? So he invited each person who owed money to his employer to come and discuss the situation. He asked the first one, How much do you owe him? The man replied, I owe him 800 gallons of olive oil. So the manager told him, Take the bill and quickly change it to 400 gallons. How much do you owe my employer? He asked the next man. I owe him 1,000 bushels of wheat, was his reply. Here, the manager said, take the bill and change it to 800 bushels. Wow this guy was crafty wasn't he? Very dishonest right? but very creative also wasn't he? He came up with a solution it wasn't it wasn't a correct solution. it wasn't a good solution but it was it was crafty it was kind of sneaky but it definitely was going to fix his problem. It, it was a solution for the problem he had at hand. He come up with something. He's using his position, which he was about to lose, right? He's going to get fired to reduce the debts of the people, so they later would be able to bless him and provide for him. So he come up with a plan. His aha moment. Now this guy had already been ripping off the rich man, right? He'd already been stealing from him the whole time. He's going to get fired, right? But now you see he gets caught. Now on his way out. He gets the rich man one more time on his way out, doesn't he? gets him one last time. Now, he continues to take care of himself at his employer's expense. Now, in the world, I think this is why usually when you get fired, it's right on the spot. They escort you out. They don't let people go back in and start meddling with the books and doing more damage, but I don't know. Do you notice something in this, though? Look in there again. Do you notice all these people? When he says, hey, take the bill and quickly change it, Did any of them say, oh no, I can't do that, that's dishonest? None of these people, you don't see it in here, none of them said, oh no, that's not dishonest. All of them, I'm sure, agreed to do it. This rich man, the way he's going isn't going to be rich very long. I mean, he's getting, everybody's taking in them here. So let's see this rich man's reaction to what's just happened here. Look at verse 8. The rich man had to admire the dishonest rascal for being so shrewd. And it is true that the children of this world are more shrewd in dealing with the world around them than are the children of the light. Have you ever been in a position like this? This guy just got taken, right, for a bunch of money. Twice. But he's like, he admired the guy that just stolen from him. It's kind of an awkward situation, right? I mean, think about this story. I'm sure he was extremely upset. He just lost a ton of money. But he kind of admired the craftiness of the guy. The reason I say this is we had a friend here recently. He was traveling all the countries in the world. He had done like 67 when he was here. Connor, I met him. And when he was here, he was telling me a story. And I'll share it with you real quick. He had a brand new iPhone. Like the brand, brand new one. I don't know. It's 10. I don't know what it is. The brand new one. Big one, it's fifteen hundred dollars US, a brand new one. So he had a brand new iPhone and I, I can't remember what country he was in, I think it was Cambodia, I'm not even sure. But he arrived and he shares his story and his I just tell you, his iPhone got stolen. But he was so impressed by how crafty the people were in the stole it. So he said he was sitting on a curb, like right here, sitting on the curb. And obviously some people this was many people conjured together to get this his iPhone so they had seen him and made some calls so they had set up motorbikes to come by him and when he said he was sitting on the curb like this the motorbike came so as he's sitting on his phone someone obviously was talking to another person around the corner with the motorbike and the guy came around the corner and came so close to him as he was sitting on his phone and he went like this to get up and the guy swiped it as he went and then rode off on the motorbike so he's like he was so upset that he had lost his brand new iPhone but he's like, I can't believe how they did that. It was a completely planned thing. They can't, I mean, they, they probably saw him hours beforehand and had waited and waited for the right timing, then contacted each other for him to be sitting there just right, then scared him with the motorbike getting so close that he'd actually throw his hands up with the phone in hand and grabbed it and drove off. He's like, I'm so disappointed I lost my iPhone stolen. But he was actually like, they were really crafty. They were really good at being thieves. So he shared that story. I, I don't think it softened the blow of him losing his iPhone at all, but it was kind of funny how he shared that. Now do you see the second half of this verse 8? It's interesting, isn't it? It's true that the children of this world are more shrewd in dealing with the world around them than are the children of the light. Isn't that an interesting statement? Think of Coca-Cola. A profit for company, right? Coke's business, one reason, to make a shareholders money. There's no other reason. To make money. Now I've been a lot of places. I'm a pastor. We're all ministers. we're all ministers of the gospel here. We have our sole pur- one of our main I mean our purpose in life is to share the gospel, to share the good news, right? All of us. Every one of us. We need we have a message that we share has eternal meaning. It's that important, right? Yet, I've traveled all through Myanmar. I've been to some really remote villages. Many places I've been, I was the first Westerner to ever go. Many of the places I went, the gospel had never been shared. Many times. And I would go there, sharing the gospel. And guess what they'd offer me to drink? A Coke. So Coca-Cola is in these remote... They brought it in. I mean brought it in, the most remote places I've been in Myanmar, I can get a Coca-Cola yet they've never heard the gospel the executives at Coca-Cola are better at sharing their message than we are, they are in more places selling a product that's bad for you, than we are sharing about their eternal life in heaven that's what he's saying here The people are more shrewd than us it's interesting. We need to do a better job evangelizing than Coke, right? We really do need to do a better job. Although I do appreciate a cold Coke in the village. So Jesus is showing us and telling us through this that we need to be using the resources that He's blessed us with, but not like the man in the story, but like the man in the story. That makes sense. Not like the man in the story, but like the man in the story. Let's look at verse 9. We'll explain this a little bit. Look at verse 9. Here's the lesson. This one's easy. It tells you the lesson. Use your worldly resources to benefit others and make friends. Then, when your worldly possessions are gone, they will welcome you to an eternal home. Now, I read through this whole 18 verses, and this is the one verse that was probably the most difficult to interpret. I've read a lot of commentaries and This is what I believe How we use and view money Shows a lot about our walk It Shows a lot about Who we are in Christ Money can be used for good It can be used for evil It can be used for God's glory But it can also become a God to us I need to remember Every single thing I have Is a gift from the Lord Everything I have is to be used for His glory. We are just stewards of these resources. Just like this man was here to that rich man. that were not his resources. That was the rich man's resources. He was just appointed in that position as a steward of the resources. We, Everything we have is the same way. We are just stewards of every single resource that we have. Including money. And there's a big picture in this one. We must use wisdom, how we spend our money... Now, not necessarily worldly wisdom all the time. Because if we just use worldly wisdom, how we spend our money, we'd probably save it all and plan for our retirement, right? To be like, oh, i got to save all this, otherwise when I get like 65 years old, I won't go to work, um, I won't go to provide for myself. But sometimes, we got to go a little further. we got to use spiritual wisdom. Just think about eternal retirement planning. Being wise with our money is important. But... We just need to, the most important kind of long-term investing is investing with an eye to eternity, an eternal home. Our money should be used in a way that will help others find Jesus and have eternal benefits. Look at verse 10. If you are faithful in the little things, you will be faithful in the large ones. But if you are dishonest in the little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. Money is one of the ways that our character is tested. Now, faithful, faithfulness usually starts with small things. In all of us, we are sometimes we're tested with the smallest of responsibilities. You think about I mean, raising children, or as an employee, or as an employer. It's a, there's, there's small things, and you see, will that person will be faithful in that? What will they do with that? then as they are faithful in these small things More is giving Or more responsibility is given Now, do you notice that in this Jesus, what does he point out about the money in that? You see it? What is money in this? It's the little thing Remember this, money is the little thing What is the big thing? It's the true riches What is the true riches? Spiritual riches It's the kingdom of God Let's turn to, let's look at 11 and 12. And if you are untrustworthy about worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches of heaven? And if you're not faithful with other people's things, why would you be trusted with things of your own? Think about that, the true riches of heaven. The inheritance that's waiting for all of us. How much greater would these, are these riches to what we look at today? These riches will be more than we could ever even imagine or describe. Jesus is telling us, show our trustworthy with now, with the things of this world, with the things that he's given each one of us, no matter how small or large, because there's so much more that awaits all of us in heaven. This ideal or principle is true for our entire life. You see it in our work, in our families, you know, our kids. Uh, You know, also you see in this passage, you see where it says, If you are not faithful with other people's things, why should you be trusted with things of your own? Here, Jesus seems to refer to the fact that our riches belong to God. And we must see, I just thought, we must see that we are managing His resources you view it that way? Look at verse 13. No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Everybody's heard this verse. I want to give you a test. A test if you are a slave to money. You ready? Do you think about it often? In worry? Five things. Do you give up something that you should be doing in order to earn money? Church would maybe be one you could use. Third one Do you spend a great deal of time caring for your stuff? Another one Do you struggle to give money away to those in need? I'm talking about real needs. Last one. This one's hard. You ready for this one? Do you have debt? We shouldn't have debt. Just as this world and our life here on earth will come and go, so does money, doesn't it? Money comes and goes. Money, most of you know. Sometimes it comes, sometimes it goes. Usually it goes more than it comes, but it just comes and goes. It's all God's. Money can't buy health, it can't buy happiness, and it sure can't buy eternal life. Turn to Matthew Matthew 6.22 Matthew 6.22. 24, I'm sorry. 624. No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. To sum this up, Jesus wasn't teaching, like this man, it was good to steal. That's obviously not what he was teaching. You shouldn't be stealing from anyone or being crafty like this man. But he was definitely. Creative, wasn't he? Turn the page here. This man, though dishonest, was smart enough to think about his future. He was thinking about his worldly future or his financial future. But the Lord is saying to Israel, we need to think about our eternal future and others' eternal future. This guy came up with a very creative plan to make sure his needs would be met, to make sure his future Would be provided for. That he would have a way to provide for himself. My home, my, here's a quote I want to give you from Chuck Smith. The man, then quote, was making decisions in the present that would affect his future. The example and exhortation to us think about it and plan for eternity. Use your money here and now to prepare for the future. Invest in heaven. What do the things that we are blessed with being used for? Let's look at verses 14 and 15. That can move. The Pharisees, who would dearly love their money, heard of all of this and scoffed at him. Then they said to him, You like to appear righteous in public, but God knows your hearts. What this world honors is detestable in the sight of God. I find it interesting you see the people that took offense to this? The Pharisees, right? Who is Jesus talking to? Look at verse 1. Jesus told this story to his disciples. So Jesus was speaking to his disciples, but some of the Pharisees were listening in, and then they took offense to it. I don't know, I find it interesting. This is true today. So many times, we'll be teaching a message, but it's not the ones usually in the church that are offended. It's those that are listening in that get offended. It's not the ones that were actually reading the Bible. It's the non-believers who are listening in. The teaching, this teaching wasn't even directed necessarily at them. It was directed at the disciples. The disciples to be eternally minded, to be planning for other, to be looking eternally, not just at their needs in their future, but looking at eternal needs. Yeah, it was the Pharisees who took it as their, need, their financial needs at the moment in future, and it took offense to this. Now, back, back to the teaching, though. <laughs> now, in Jesus' time, as today, so many times, people feel their worth or their value is determined by how much money is in their wallet or their bank account. Now, so the people at this day, they scoffed at this teaching, right? Many people today probably would, too. Now, I asked you earlier about being a slave to money. Maybe some of you could answer some of them five questions. But maybe some of you made excuses when I asked one of the questions. Remember the five questions. Maybe some of you go, but you don't know my situation. My situation is different. Or maybe you thought as you heard that teaching, you know that teaching them questions would be really good for my friend. Or my brother or my sister. Maybe this is a problem for some of us in our own lives. A person's wealth is not necessarily a gift from God. Just because a person is wealthy does not mean they are some super spiritual person. And many times it's quite the opposite. We're going to turn to the Old Testament. 1 Samuel. Let's see if I can find it. I marked it. 1 Samuel 16 7. But the Lord said to Samuel, Don't judge by his appearance or height, for I have rejected him. The Lord doesn't see the things the way you see them. People judge by outward appearance, for the Lord looks at the heart. Wealth is not a sign of God's approval in one's life. In this story, God detested the leaders. He tested their wealth because it drew away from true righteousness. The wealth, their money, had become their God. Look at the last part of verse 15. What this world honors is detestable in the sight of the Lord. often this is true today? Is there anything that we would honor that could become te- detestable to the Lord? Could be money. It's true. Could be a lot of other things, though. There's so many different things that could be. Could be education. Could be a job. Could be even our family. Could be a hobby. Maybe even all the good works that we do. What about even serving in a ministry? Even that could become that. Because it's all about our hearts. It's all about why we're doing it. Are we doing it like these Pharisees so everyone can see? Are we doing it because we love the Lord and we love God's people? It's nothing should become before our relationship with God. Now I tell you, it's easy to say that, right? Do everything for God. Do everything because we love God. Do everything because we love God's people, right? Well, every morning I have to work on that. Every morning I have to get up and say, Lord, today let me be that person. Because it's work. And through His Holy Spirit in me, He allows me to do that. But you know, other days, my motives aren't right. They're not always right but I do know this is what I'm supposed to be working towards, this example that's given here. Look at the last few verses, 16 and 17, back in Luke. And tell John the Baptist the law of Moses, and the messages of the prophets were your guides. But now, good news of the kingdom of God is preached, and everyone is eager to get in. But that doesn't mean the law has lost its course. It is easier for heaven and earth to disappear... Than the smallest point of God's law to be overturned. What an amazing time this is speaking of, right? The ful- fulfillment of God's word. The start of a new era. Jesus had come, He had given mankind the greatest gift they'd ever received. I paid the payment of our sins. Him Himself had become that mediator for us to God. He had given us, He blessed us with the Holy Spirit. And it's true. We received Jesus' mercy and His grace. But the law still stands. It's there. The fulfillment of the Old Testament did not cancel the law. It didn't fulfill it. But God previously used Moses and the prophet, and now he's using Jesus. But the law is still there. I just want to touch on that real quick as Jesus kind of touched on it there. Let's turn to Matthew, chapter 5. I'll have a book. Matthew chapter 5, verse 17. Matthew 17. Don't misunderstand why I have come. I did not come to abolish the law of Moses or the writings of the prophets. No, I came to accomplish their purpose. I tell you the truth until heaven and earth disappear. Not even the smallest detail of God's law will disappear until its purpose is achieved. So if you ignore the least commandment and teach others to do the same, you will be called in the least in the kingdom of heaven. But if anyone obeys God's laws and teaches them, will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. We are blessed to receive that mercy and that grace from Jesus, aren't we? Amen. But we need to understand, there's still the law. Now maybe some of us, I've experienced this before, is... You will talk to someone, maybe they're a non-believer, or maybe they're doing something they shouldn't be doing, there's some sin in their life, they're a believer, and you start talking to them. They're like, why are you judging me? I thought, you know, grace. You're going to give me grace. Well, it's true. There is grace. But there's also the law. I want to turn to Romans 5.20. Acts. Acts, Romans, five twenty through six two. God's love was given so that all people could see how sinful they were. But as people sin more and more, God's wonderful grace become more abundant. So just as sin ruled over all the people and brought them to death, now God's wonderful grace rules instead, giving us the right to standing with God and resulting in eternal life through. Jesus Christ, our Lord. Well then, should we keep on sinning so God can show us more and more of His wonderful grace? Of course not. I'll just stop there. These passages are clear. There should be no misunderstandings. It's true, we receive God's grace, but that is not a reason why we would sin. Let's close up here with this last, let's look at verse 18. Back in Luke. For example, a man who divorces his wife and marries someone else commits adultery, and anyone who marries a woman divorced from her husband commits adultery. Why did Jesus bring this up right here at the end of this? Interesting. I mean, it's like stuck in the end of this. Why would he do this? We know Jesus. We know he knew the hearts of man, didn't he? He knew the man. He knew the hearts of these men that he was speaking to, these Pharisees at the time. I would guess the reason he brought this up after he just spoke about the law is that some of these men here were committing adultery. The men that he was speaking to in these passages, I'm guessing that he was proving a point to these Pharisees that he knew their hearts. He knew what they were doing. He knew that they were not following the law. Now it's interesting, I mean the Bible is clear About divorce There are some few exceptions given Um, That's a different sermon altogether But, you know, God doesn't like divorce Jesus doesn't like divorce Now some of these rabbis I don't know if you know some of the laws back then Some of the rabbis had come up with their own traditions Their own laws Did you know that, about divorce? You know that One of the traditions was that The wife burned your breakfast, you could divorce her. This is true. They'd come up with that. Another one, they found a, another woman prettier. That was reason for divorce. They'd come up with his own rules. Jesus knew this, so he's addressing this particular problem. This particular problem with their hearts to these religious leaders. I think it was just proving to them that he knew What they were thinking. Imagine how powerful that would be. Jesus speaking to them. Speaking on the very issues at hand. Within their hearts. It's amazing. The Holy Spirit still does that for us today. So just to close up. This worship team can head up. What's the main lesson in this? Interesting passage. What do you think it is? What's it for you today? I think one of the biggest things we see. Is we see a man that was very dishonest. But very creative in planning for his future. Yet, the man admires him, even though he would just been taken. I think it's clear that we need to be like the man, but not like the man. We need to be creative like this man and come up with new and exciting ideas how to go out and reach people with the gospel. We need to be as creative as this guy was. Not dishonest like this man was, but he went outside the box. He did something different. He thought about the future of himself and of others and made a plan and did it. That's what's the admirer about him. Not his dishonesty. But sometimes, as Christians, we say, Oh, yeah, we need to share the gospel. That's as far as it goes. We don't do anything about it. Or maybe, If God puts someone in my life, I'll go up and talk to them. We need to get creative. We need to come up with ideas. We need to come up with ways. I heard I share out of the schools. You know, that's one way. You know, you teach someone a skill and you build relationships and you can start talking. That's one way. We're doing game nights here. We invite people to come play games and we're able to talk to them. We're going to start some uh, language lessons. Uh, you know, we need to get more creative than even that. We need to come up with ideas how we can share the gospel. Like this man came up with these ideas. We need to come up with ideas also. Not to be dishonest. Not to be cheats. But to be creative. You're realizing... We need to plan for eternity. We need to look at other people's plan for eternity. What is their plan? Where are they going to end up in the future? How can we help them? Spurgeon, i want to end with a Spurgeon quote. So Spurgeon once noted that each of us one day will have to give account of our stewardship regarding our time, our talents, our substance, or our influence. So I talked about that early. We need to use all the things the Lord has blessed us with. All the things. There's many more that aren't mentioned here to go out and share the good news. And if it's money, money's mentioned here. This is one, but that's really a small part of all the different resources that we're blessed with. We need to get out there in new creative ways. Not just sit. This guy was crafty. He's admirable. Them guys that stole that guy's cell phone? They had a plan. They they accomplished what they set out to do. Of course, it was horrible what they did. But we need to have that same type of... Come up with a plan and execute it to go out for the lost. Of course, not to be stealing phones or ripping people off. But we think outside a little bit. Are we just doing the same things over and over and over and over? Let's get creative, and let's remember that we are accountable for all these different things that we have. God has blessed, us just abundantly. I look around, I look up here, we are just blessed. We will have to give account one day. And I want to be able to give account and say, Lord, this is what I did with the resources that you have blessed me. Join me in prayer. Heavenly Father. I just thank you, Lord. I thank you for this wonderful opportunity just to teach here, Lord, in this new building. I thank you for the air cons, keeping it manageable. I thank you for your message, Lord. Lord, as we look, some are blessed with different resources, Lord. Some it's money, some it's talents, some just all different, Lord. Whatever it is, Lord, that you've bestowed upon them, Lord, let them just be faithful in using it for you, Lord. Using it as their influence, Lord, to bring others to you, Lord. Let them be faithful in the littlest things, Lord, and you would just bless them abundantly and more and more, Lord. And realizing the bigger blessings are at hand, Lord. The blessings, the kingdom of God. So, Lord, let us be faithful here with the things that you've given us. Lord, just be with us this week, Lord, as we see these things and see these abilities and these opportunities, Lord. Let us just go outside of our normal realm of thinking, Lord, and look at people and think, Lord. Maybe you just speak to us through your Holy Spirit, Lord. Which ways can we reach others, Lord? Which ways can we help be eternal planners, Lord? That we would think about the eternal things, Lord, and what we can do to bring others to you. We love you, Lord. Thank you for this time. Thank you for this worship. In Jesus' name, amen.